My name is Ryan Jennings. In 1998, I recorded two VHS tapes. Tape one was recorded with the simple but naive goal of getting answers. Tape two was my mistaken attempt at finding those answers. This is tape two, the why. Hey, me again. I'm guessing you know that, but, you know, maybe you didn't see the first tape. If not, I'm Ryan Jennings. You know, honestly, I wasn't even sure I was going to record another one of these, but, you know, I played it back a couple of days ago, and I don't know, I guess it felt kind of good to talk about things. Even though I'm not really talking to anyone, I started thinking, I don't know, maybe there could be something to this. I... I don't know if Bemidji has a film program I can get into or anything, but who knows? Maybe someday people will notice Creighton and they'll need to go to someone who understands what all goes on here. You know, as as much as I understand any of it. Sure, there are tons of stories, but, I mean, who knows how true some of them are? I mean, other stories I barely remember from sleepovers or, you know, drinking out in the woods by the old hunting shacks. Don't tell my dad. You know, I guess if there's one story that's going to stand out more than others, it's probably the Sinners game. I mean, at least that's the one that I can go out and test myself tonight, I suppose. And maybe if this goes well, I'll take my camera out to Ashbury sometime and show everyone I'm not a liar. But I think I need to work up to that one first. As far as the Sinners game, you can ask anyone in town about that one. Any kid who grew up in Creighton since the 70s can tell you about it, and I bet anyone from earlier, too. You can ask any of the old-timers who eat at the early Bird of Dan's Cafe, and they'll tell you the same thing. Ah, okay, here we go. Sorry, I still can't listen to that song. Even if I did want to tell you the name of it, assuming you can't tell from what comes next, I don't own the rights to it. And I sure as hell don't have any interest in trying to find them. And frankly, if you don't know the song, I'm doing you a favor not showing you that rabbit hole. Sinner's game, that's probably because it started with someone from here, who's the only official serial killer ever from Creighton. And get this, his name was Herod Larson, but everyone called him Harry. I suppose people could have gone, you know, the next step and called him Scary Harry, but, you know, his parents named him after some crazy-ass king from the Bible, so I think that seems to be just fine sticking with Herod. Besides, this isn't about the name. It's about the game. You see, it's the... Sorry about that. Looks like the tape hasn't held up all that well. 
Okay, here we go. Of all the parts of the tape to survive, what you're hearing right now is audio from a dumb kid performing the Sinners game. I'll just go ahead and let the tape run in the background as I walk you through the story a little bit while that stupid, stupid kid gets in over his head. The way it goes, Herod's parents were hardcore Bible thumpers, and I mean hardcore. Most of Creighton's Lutheran and always has been, but there are Lutherans? Then there was the Larson family interpretation of Lutherans. Story goes they were closer to fundamentalist Catholics than anything else. They were that family that's the first one to church on Sunday, and they'd end up sitting through both services. They're also total junk because they give all their money to the church. Supposedly the pastor even tried to give them some of their money back to take better care of themselves, or something that was probably worded a bit more subtly, but naturally they refused. Of course, along with that were the stories about Herod getting beaten or anything else you might think of from horror movies with the big evil religious parents, except that his parents died and Herod didn't have anything to do with it. There was actually a carbon monoxide leak in their house when Herod was away at church camp of all places. He was 15 or something like that and became a ward of the state after they passed away, which didn't really mean anything since some of the older members of the church took it upon themselves to do the good Christian thing and take care of him so he wouldn't go off to an orphanage. As you might have guessed, they probably should have let him go. Uh, the way it goes, uh, Herod didn't talk after his parents died. Supposedly, he barely even talked when he was a kid in the first place. Probably got beat for being evil or something. But after they passed away, he never talked. Not a word. Almost two years without saying so much as a single solitary sentence. Oh, sorry, must be the booze. I love alliteration when I've been drinking too much. So, guy doesn't talk for about two years, and then the story goes that one of those revivals comes to town. You know, the tents and cookies and lemonade, and they talk with a southern twang, no matter how close we are to Canada. Preacher comes out shouting fire and brimstone, and most of the people are, you know, just sort of act polite, not really listening in true Minnesota passive-aggressive fashion. But Herod... Herod stands up with hands raised to the sky like he feels and hears something the others don't. Then the choir starts singing that song I'm not up to playing. There's been plenty of versions of the song, but that particular version struck a chord, I guess. After that, well, after that, Herod started talking again. Lord be praised, but not talking, mumbling, sort of singing. I guess. All he would say were words of the song over, over, and over again. He'd go to school and do all the things he usually did, but he wouldn't answer any questions or say anything that wasn't singing that song. First teachers were just happy he was saying anything in the first place, but then... I don't know, how much of that can you listen to before it just starts creeping out? 
And depending on what version of the song you hear, there are multiple verses, but most reference the same sorts of places. Kneel to the rock, please hide them. Kneel to the river, please stop flowing. Kneel to the mount, please uncover. Kneel to the Lord, please forgive me. Kneel to the devil, he was laughing. I can't even say the words. Herod believed that song. When he heard it, he heard something other people didn't. He he heard a plan, I guess. See, kids in small towns, especially before cable TV and the internet, do all kinds of things to pass the time. It isn't trying to score weed or beer from their parents and older siblings. It's making up some sort of damn fool game. The sinner's game came straight from the story. At least the story as far as any of the kids knew it. The rules are simple enough. Gotta wait till midnight. Of course. For whatever reason, must be central time that makes it so important. But you gotta wait till midnight and then wander out into the woods without a flashlight. All you're supposed to carry with you is a lighter. Me? That dumb kid brought a camera too. Figured that wasn't breaking the rules. As far as the story and the game are concerned, they uh, they found Herod's adopted mom. She was a city council treasurer. Uh, they found her body on the far side of a boulder on the east south skirts of town, deep in the woods. She'd been beaten to death, and he tried to shove her under the boulder. Supposedly broke her in half trying to do it. Speaking of which, the game is all about retracing footsteps, so first you need to go to the boulder, kneel down, and say lines straight from the song, just like Herod would have done. Please hide them. One down. The river's next. It's only maybe a hundred yards away. Wouldn't even know it was there if you weren't damn near standing in it. There's something about the density of the woods buffering out the sound. Now, as far as young Herod's concerned, then they found his adopted dad in the river. Or, technically, over the river. He'd been gutted and hung from a tree that hung just over the edge of the water. They say the blood was still dripping into the running water when they found him. So for the game, you need to wade out into the water, just a few steps. You know, I guess dropping to your knees wasn't deemed necessary since you get your pants fully soaked, and where's the fun in that?
stop the flowing. It's at this point, something must have went off script though, because when the Sunday school teacher went missing, she was never found. The assumption is that she was buried somewhere out in the woods, but there wasn't any specific place in the song mentioned. The song only references a mountain. I don't have any idea if the cops at the time did the connection with the song, but they were probably out in the woods looking for some kind of burial mound. But her body was never found. Even though there was evidence all over the house of the struggle, they found plenty of Herod's fingerprints there. You know, in places a casual visitor didn't have much business snooping around. Not very church-like, if you know what I'm saying. For that part of the game, you need to walk out a ways, just further. Away from the river, away from the boulder. Just far enough so you can't see any of the lights from town. It only takes a couple of minutes at most. And you drop to your knees and you do your best to imagine that poor woman's unmarked grave right in front of you. uncover they finally tracked him down to what wasn't anything more than a stone foundation of a church just north of town deeper in the woods though further away it it probably hasn't been a church for a hundred years but everybody knows what it is and as far as I know it's still there to this day once you get there you guessed it Drop down to your knees. It's a good time to start praying. The stones are still blackened from where he poured gasoline on himself and lit the match. Supposedly he was singing as he burned. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. At any point up to now, you could quit and go home. Go ahead, lie. Say you did it and all that. But if you kneel in that church and you say those words, have to see it through. If you say, please forgive me, and there isn't any noise, hence God has forgiven you, then and only then can you light the lighter you brought with you and start up a candle or lantern or whatever should have been left there before you went out at sunset. However, here's the rub. If you hear a noise, that means God isn't protecting you and questions your faith, and you cannot light that lighter. In that case, you need to wait until the sun comes up and then walk home. Do not leave the outline of the building no matter what you hear. If you light the lighter, the devil himself will be there, and he'll be laughing at how dumb you are for playing the game as he drags you away to hell. 
It's a kid's game, right? I mean, who's ever stood in the middle of a forest and not heard any noise from the wind or trees or an animal, right? But I guess that's the point, isn't it? Supposedly it all turned into a real thing back in the 80s when a kid named Stephen Alderman did it on a dare and disappeared. Lantern was found at the church, so was his dad Zippo. Stephen was gone. Some people claim the kids kept trying it once in a while, and few claim to successfully have done it, but since you're alone, no one can prove any of it. I really had no way of knowing if anyone had tried the entire thing before I did it. Or if it was all just blown out of proportion in my head because some girl from Rochester who I chatted with online hadn't heard some local story. And that's the point of it all. Why I had the camera. Why I felt compelled to do it. I think I actually wanted there to be something. And I wanted to get proof of it. Forgive me. Okay, whatever. Close enough. There it is. The legend of the sinner's game. All done. Safe and sound. Wait. Wait. what happened next sorry um i'm not drunk enough (laughs) or ready but um i'm getting there i'm getting there i had no intention of going back there until admittedly a few things that could have been coincidences happened all at the same time first I got laid off from my radio station job. I've been working in radio since I left Creighton, done damn near every job in the business, and basically watched the slow decline of terrestrial radio as people want more iTunes and podcasts. I suppose that's part of the reason why I'm recording any of this in the first place. All I really know involves recording people's voices and telling their stories. This is the first time I've ever told mine. Still, I'm not the guy to lose his job and suddenly feel the need to go running back to his hometown trying to find purpose or reason or rationality. Not even after I got this voice message two days after getting laid off. Hi, this is Joy with the Creighton Police Department. This message is for Ryan Jennings. If you could call us back as soon as possible, we need to talk in regards to your father. I'm afraid there was an accident last Tuesday. Our phone number is... Turns out, I was the executive of my father's estate. 
needed to come back to clear up a few things and take care of what would happen to his house next, as if I cared. You can call me a bad son if you want, but that still wasn't enough for me to go back. I was happy just to let the county or city or whoever deal with all that themselves. Till I got a package in the mail two weeks ago. It was postmarked from my father. Honestly, I didn't even know he knew where I lived. Inside was just two loose VHS tapes rattling around. No note. No packing material. It was the two tapes I've played for this podcast. Sorry if it seems like I'm bearing the lead on all this, but um, I'm kind of working on getting pass out drunk right now. Maybe this is why I got canned from radio. According to the Creighton police, my dad died on the 26th. Postmark on the package my father sent was the 28th, two days after his death, for you math majors out there. If you were just a passerby, I can see how you'd look at something like this and see how I could still ignore it. I mean, I could pass the buck on my dad's estate issues. I could just chalk up the postmark as some holdup at the post office. Except the tapes that were in the package. Um, I've never seen that second tape before. The one that I just played, I've never watched that in my entire life. When I dropped the camera back in the woods, I never saw it again. When I woke up, (sighs) Creighton took everything from me. I don't have anything left. All I have is my car, my laptop, and a digital voice recorder. And now I want answers. Whoever sent this package has them. And if you're listening, I'm going to find them. Whenever I happen to sober up, I'm going back to that very small town.